Daniel 6 is, uh, is it's a fam- obviously, it's a famous, well-rehearsed, well-repeated um, story in the Bible. One of the things that uh, has stood, stood out to me, and I think you have your outline in front of you, I, I titled my talk this morning or lesson this morning, Walking with Integrity in the Public Arena. One of the things that we forget, I know I was born and raised in church. I think, I think she had me, my mother had me on the third pew. Uh, and then we went home. And so the, the stories of the Bible are well familiar to me. Uh, Daniel in the lion's den, the three Hebrew boys, uh, the uh, chapter one of Daniel that talks about there, uh, those, those four young men as they uh, walk with integrity uh, in a foreign land, uh, David and Goliath. And so because, even though I'm well for me, I was well for me with those stories, one of the things that I've had to learn was the context for each one of those stories. And in Daniel, the context for um, his going into the lion's den, those Hebrew boys being thrown into the fiery furnace, is surely political. It is, it's about kings. It's about one nation uh, taking over another nation. It is about what we do, what men and women do who have a relationship with God, how do they act, how do they respond in the public arena. And if they will walk with integrity in the public arena, when there's a challenge, when it's not comfortable, when the public arena does not affirm your religious belief. How do you walk in that? What do you do with that? How do you operate in that context? And we see in these three Hebrew boys, I keep calling them boys, uh, but they grew up to be men. Daniel, was, they all were about the same age. Um, we see how these, these four young men operate in the culture in a context where their faith is not affirmed, but it comes to be respected. And it's respected because at the highest level, because of these, the, how these young men, over time, operate within the context of Nebuchadnezzar and Darius and Belteshazzar, Belt- these guys, how, how, how they walk before these kings. And so it's important. I'd like to read... Um, I've come to understand a little bit more that that the word of God is more powerful than my words. And so I'd like to read the entire sixth chapter because it is in the hearing of the word of God um, that the spirit of God moves. 
So I want to read the entire chapter. You may be familiar with it, but it's good to read it again. In Daniel chapter 6, starting at verse 1, I believe it's on your outline there. I'm reading from the uh, English Standard Version. It pleased Darius to set up, to set over kingdom, the kingdom, 120 satraps, to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials of whom, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in the connection, in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdoms, the prefects and the, uh, and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the, covenant, the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God, before his God, as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king, considering concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any God or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, the thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is, who is, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establish, establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into den, to the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords. 
that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then, at break of day, the king rose and went in haste to the den of lions, and he came near the den where Daniel was. He cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, be, be, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. The king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken up of taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then, the, then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to, to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Amen. What would you have done? Really, that's the question. What would you have done? Daniel is a high official. He has risen, he is a foreigner. He serves a different God. He rises to the rank of president, one of three, evidently in this new administration under King Darius. King Darius, well, Daniel is so good or so godly, or so, well, I used to use the words that the text used. He is faithful, he is faultless, he is excellent. He is found to be excellent, he is found to be faithful, he is found to be without fault. And because of his integrity, he rises to the rank of president and the king is so pleased with Daniel that he is considering him to be the prime minister. That's what text says. Didn't say prime minister, but he's, he's about to make him ruler over all the kingdom. Set him, at verse three says, an excellent spirit was in him and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Of course he'd be under the king. Now, 
it's almost like a setup. Because God raises Daniel up to a position you can't get any higher in the public arena than sitting next to the king. We see that in Joseph, with Joseph and Pharaoh. And it brings, just as God will lift up a person, there are those who will try to undermine them. It's politics. Many of you work, whether in the public, however you serve in the public arena, whether you in business, own a business, whether you're in public service, there's office politics. And even if you're the CEO, you're the owner, founder, whatever name, whatever letter happens to be behind your name, if you are at the highest level, you can be guaranteed that there's politics going on under you. So these, these three other presidents get together. These two other presidents and 120 leaders of the satraps, and they, they, they get together. And it's all in an intent to trap Daniel. Now, a couple of things about Daniel. One, there is no way Daniel did not know what was happening. There's no way that Daniel was ignorant of what all these other leaders, because when these leaders go to Darius the king, it says they had, come, they had plotted this thing out. The high officials, verse 6, the high officials and the tra safe traps came by agreement to the king. And listen, all the high officials, this is what they were to, you know, of course it's exaggerated. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the councils and the governors agreed that the king should establish this ordinance. Oh, they were, everybody, was, everybody was in on it. So Daniel knew about it. Now it was on, the, the requirement was they were not, for 30 days, just for 30 days, no one was to consult any king or any other man except the, no, any other god, excuse me, or any other king, any, anybody else, any other man other than the king. And they were not to do it for 30 days. Got a quick question for you, nobody has to answer. Can you go without praying for 30 days? Have you gone without praying for 30 days? Would you be pressed to say, you know what? God, just give me a 30-day break here. We don't, we don't have to, you know, you understand what's going on. 30, it's only for 30 days. So, I want you to notice what Daniel does. After the text says in verse 10, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. Watch this. As he had done previously. This brother, after the, 
after the, after the document was signed, after he knew, he got where he might have been, he might have been in the place when the, when the document was signed. He probably was. If the king was considering him as prime minister to rule over the entire nation, I'm quite sure Daniel was present when these other fellows were, were plotting their scheme. He goes home, he opens the window, and gets down on his knees and prays publicly. He does not hide. He does not put his faith and make it private. He openly, defiantly, and not loudly, and not, not with a whole lot of boisterousness, he does what he normally does, he prays. Knowing the cost, what would you have done? Easy, this, if he is president number three, consideration for prime minister. He's not living in a shack. Brother, living pretty good. I am quite sure he could find a closet somewhere, a hole somewhere, and go and pray. Or he could have just said, God, you understand, you see what I'm up against. Let's just, you know, for the next 30 days, let's just chill. Okay, we just, you know, we good. You know it. But he does not do it. And he pays the cost. The king loved, he must love Daniel because this brother, as soon as he, I don't know where the king was thinking about. I guess his ego got involved in this when he said, oh, yeah, nobody prayed to anybody but me. He wasn't even thinking about Daniel. Because as soon as he hears that Daniel is doing, now watch this, Daniel has such integrity with the king that when the king throws him in the lion's den, the king says, I pray that your God will deliver you, the one that you have consistently been with. You see what it says there? May your God, in verse number 16, may your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. Daniel had such integrity with the king and his relationship with God that the king recognized and re had some measure of respect for, his, for Daniel's relationship with his God and says, may your God deliver you. He tries to find a way to get him out. He spends all day trying to figure out, all right, how am I going to get this brother, my brother out of this? And the men come say, hey, this is the law. You, you signed it, Medes and Persians. And law of Medes and Persians cannot be changed. So the king submits to the law, throws Daniel in the lion's den. May your God deliver you. 
And what does God, what happens? Simply this. The text says that, that God sent an angel. That's what Daniel said, to shut the mouths of the lions. Now, we know that the lions were still hungry. Because when Daniel got delivered, and these men who plotted against him, and watch this, and their wives and their children, were thrown into the lion's den, and before they got to the bottom of the pit, the text says that their bones were destroyed. There are implications for you and your family. For you and your family. My question is, what do you do? Couple of things. I got it in the observations down there. I've talked about most of them. Godly men, Daniel's a godly man who served in the highest level of political government. God needs men who will serve at the highest level. God needs men who will serve at the highest level, even in the government. Even in the government. Daniel's integrity stood out and it caused him to be promoted. Verse 3. Godly men in the public sphere will be persecuted. We've talked about that. Daniel put his relationship with God on public display after the law was passed. His relationship with God was put on public display. Now, the last question I, I gave you for table discussion Ask the question, and I'm, and I'm prejudiced here. Um, do you feel um, you honor God in your public life, or is your relationship with God a private matter? We live in a culture today where we have marginalized, watch this. We say that, the Christ, that being Christian is, and Christian faith and Christian principles and Christian morality is being marginalized in our culture. And you know who did it? Us. Because we made our faith a private matter. It's only between me and God. And that is so unbiblical, that is so outside the Bible's Principle? When did your faith and my faith become a private matter only between me and God? Only between you and God? Reason why he saved you, brothers, is because he wants you to be a living witness. He didn't save you because of you. You ain't that good. You ain't that pretty. You're not that smart. He saved you so that you 
would be a living, walking, talking, visible demonstration of the power and glory of God. Your faith is not private. It is personal, but it is not private. And there's a difference. I, use, I, tell, I tell the Golden Gate Church that my relationship with my wife is a very personal one, but it's not private because you guys be busy looking at me and my wife. You look how I treat my wife, how I talk to my wife. You look at my children. You, 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 you look at my relationship with my wife is very public. It is not private. It is personal. And so there are things that are personal to my wife and I that none of you have any business in. You have no, you have, there's no, there's not, there are several areas of my relationship with my wife that you don't have anything to do with. You don't have anything to say about it. It is not public. But neither is my relationship personal. I mean, neither is it private. Private is something you put in a closet, and that's just between you and whomever. And you know what? Most private things are dangerous. And if you think about your own personal life, those things you've kept private, and nobody knows, but you and God are some of the things that are eating you up today. Because you've kept it private. There's no other man that knows your stuff. You don't allow yourself to be accountable to anybody. You don't let anybody in. Most of you, most of us in here have, have an area of our lives that is so private that nobody knows it but you and God. And my generation and older, which is a bunch of us in here, say we going to, we going to, we going to heaven with that news. And nobody going to know. And then we got this younger generation that puts everything on. I do not understand it. I don't know why it has to be on Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat, and all that stuff. And half of you don't even know what that stuff is. I don't even. <laughs> and they will post it all. Daniel. You're, and so, whether... Yeah, I'd throw that one out there. Your relationship with God is not private. He didn't save you because of you. You have a job to do. You have a mission to carry. You have a word to speak. Wherever you are in the context of your public arena, in the public arena, you are, to, you are God's representative there. And yeah, I'm being kind of tough. But you don't get a pass. You don't, you don't get to go to be to own your business, the CEO or manager or whatever it is that you're doing here. Because I know I'm not talking to Golden Gate folk. You don't get a pass. You are, if you are saved, if you have a personal relationship with God, you have a responsibility in whatever context that you operate in, in the public arena to represent God. He is the one to whom you say you serve and bow down to. And that's what Daniel did. He 
He did it at the highest level and was willing to pay the highest cost. Now watch this. God gets the most glory when you're in the tightest situation. I like, I like the way I like the way they did it here. Verse 16, um, Daniel was brought, cast in the lines. Then the king declared to Daniel, may your God deliver you. And then, then verse 17, a stone was brought, laid on the mouth, of the, den, the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet and the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. He didn't want any question about what was going on. There wasn't going to be any question about somebody coming, snatching Daniel out, you know, so that, and then bringing him back in when the king no, uh-uh. We're going to seal this thing so it'll be, it. and you know what? God loves it. God sets it up like that because when it's, it looks like man has gotten this whole thing under control, God wants it to be clear that if there's going to be deliverance, then you know what? Nobody will get the glory except him. You won't get the glory. He will. Because he's the one that delivered Daniel. And so when he comes out, he said, verse 21, I'm almost done. Pass it, I had extra time. <laughs> then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the, the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. God vindicated his servant, the one who stood for him, God. And that's what Jesus says. If you stand for me, I'll stand for you. You don't stand for me, I will not stand for you. God, and he did, does it for his name's sake. Not for you. When God delivers Daniel, he did it for his name's sake. Not for Daniel, just for Daniel's integrity. Now, we love all the stories of deliverance. We want Daniel to slay Goliath, I mean, David to slay Goliath, and the three Hebrew boys to be delivered from the, from, uh, from the fire, and Daniel in, out of the lion's den. We, all, we love all those stories. Because they are deliverance. They are stories of victory. But when you read Hebrews chapter 11, there's a whole lot more that did not get delivered. They were not saved. Tradition has it that Isaiah was sawn in two. You read the end of Hebrews, not the beginning. And you see all the men and women of faith who did not receive that, what they were promised, who were persecuted, who were sawn in two because of their faithfulness to God. Tough. What you going to do? How would you respond? This, Daniel has several options. Don't pray. 
pray in the closet. He chose the one that would bring God the most glory. I hear with this. If you have accepted the name of Christ, if you call the name of Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, then you are a visible demonstration of the majesty and the glory of God. Even in all your failures, even in all your hiding, even in all your pretending to be Even when you've compromised your integrity with God, not with men. I'm going I'm to say this. I get shot, but I'm supposed to be back in April. Y'all can. <laughs> <laughs> There's a man named James Comey. He is over the FBI. From all intensive purposes, I hear that he is a man of integrity, both Democrat and Republican. That's all I've ever heard or read about this man named James Cone. Now, this, is, this part is my personal opinion. I think he messed up last year. Okay? I think he messed up. But you know why? He said he was trying to keep the integrity of the FBI by doing some of the things that had went outside tradition of the FBI director doing and those kinds of things. And you know what? I don't think he was trying to protect the FBI's integrity. This is my personal opinion now, okay? I think he was trying to protect his personal integrity because he has a reputation of integrity. And he was trying to protect his personal integrity. And he's under a lot of pressure. Now, I don't know anything about Mr. Comey's faith. I don't know if he's a believer or not. But I know this, that even when you're trying to protect your integrity, that's not the integrity of God. It's not about you. It's not about you. You are a visible, walking, talking demonstration of the power and the glory of God. That's what you are. And when you do not stand with personal integrity in the public arena, you are diminishing yourself. Because God is still majestic and glorious and powerful and all of that. He loves, and you know what? He loves me anyhow when I do not demonstrate who and what he has made me to be. When I fail 
in my public, in my relationship, in the public arena. And you know what? He loves me anyhow. And I'm so glad that he loves me anyhow. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for Daniel. Thank you for his example of integrity in the public arena. I pray that you would make us all men of integrity um, in the public arena. I pray that these men here today would take an honest evaluation, that your spirit would, by your spirit, that you would evaluate, they would evaluate their walk with you in the public arena. And wherever they fall short, they'd ask for forgiveness. And wherever they have stood for you, they would give you the glory. Thank you for the discussions they're about to have in, the, in, their, in their small groups. I pray, Father, that your word uh, would speak to each one of us and explode in our hearts and minds the rest of this day for your glory and for our good. In Christ's name I pray, amen.